0: You are listening to The Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with The Wealth Formula Podcast, and this uh, particular episode is a bonus episode. You see, a couple weeks back, my good friend Tom Wheelwright, who is famous for being the Michael Jordan of CPAs out there, uh, did a webinar for us on the CARES Act and all of the new tax legislation that came from that, a lot of these things may affect you. You may not even know that there's an opportunity to uh, you know, claw back some money from past years' taxes, et cetera, things uh, that affect business owners, real estate investors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, I want to let you know, again, that if you're on your commute and the only way to uh, access this webinar is to listen to this podcast, by all means, go ahead and do so. However, if you find uh, some parts to be confusing, it might be because Tom is back there with a marker uh, and a, uh, you know, like a tear sheet. He likes to write on paper. And uh, and so if there's some confusion, you can uh, actually look at the video by going to wealthformula.com, signing up, filling out uh, that form that just puts your email in, and you can get that uh, video to watch and uh, rewatch it, whatever you need to do also a good opportunity to remind you that, you know, if, uh, if these kinds of things are not coming your way on a regular basis, you know, changes in the tax law, et cetera, you probably need to think about, you know, hiring a good uh, CPA like one from WealthAbility. With that said, after these messages, we will come back and uh, Tom will uh, give us the latest update on the tax law. Without further ado, uh, I want to introduce everyone to, well, you probably know Tom. I'm sure if you're one of my listeners, you know Tom or you know about Tom or you've read his book or all of the above. Tom Wheelwright, who is, uh, you know, who is a well-known uh, figure in, in, the, in the tax um, space, and he is uh, you know, known for his books, Tax-Free Wealth Uh, in the second edition, as well as being Robert Kiyosaki's uh, tax advisor and CPA. And lesser known than that, as he's also my CPA. But uh, with that, uh, he is the smartest guy in the business, as uh, Robert has said, and I I completely concur. Um, Tom, why don't you take it from here and tell us what's going on with tax tax law these days?
1: I appreciate it. Thanks, Buck. Uh, always good to be with uh, Buck and, and his group. So thank you all for joining us. It's uh, really terrific. There have been some amazing uh, tax law changes and opportunities. So just a little bit of background for those of you who don't know me. Um, as some of you know, I grew up in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, and as such, uh, grew up as a Mormon boy and when I turned 19, they sent me on a mission and they sent me to Paris, France, where I learned very quickly how to accept rejection with uh, class and honor and not fighting back, which um, which thankfully the Costco employees have figured out as well. So um, <laughs> from there, I started um, at the University of Utah, uh, where I got my undergraduate in accounting and then went to the University of Texas, where I... Uh, Received my master's of professional accounting with an emphasis in tax. I spent uh, seven years with Ernst & Young, including three years in their national tax office uh, back in the mid-80s when we had a major tax reform during the Ronald Reagan years and uh, Glasnost years. And then I spent, um, after coming to Phoenix and I was running the real estate tax practice in the Phoenix office of Ernst & Young, Um, Then I went to a Fortune 1000 company to run their uh, real estate development company uh, from a tax standpoint, and um, and then left there after a few years and decided to open up my own CPA firm. And since then, I've built, bought, sold multiple CPA firms. Uh, The last 10 to 15 years, I spent a lot of time on the road with Robert Kiyosaki, as Buck alluded to. Um, I also spent 14 years as an adjunct professor at Arizona State University um, creating and teaching a course on multi-state taxation, um, which actually has a major impact under uh, the crisis that's going on right now. And, uh, and then um, finally sold my uh, big CPA firm a few years ago and instead decided and actually a lot of Buck's Urging. Um, And thank you, Buck, for that. Um, We were only handling the most high-end people. And uh, so what Buck suggested is, is there a way we could hire, could could handle people who are just starting out, just starting to invest. And what we did was we created a network of accounting and CPA firms. And we now have, uh, uh, just in the last year and a half, uh, we now have a, a network of about 40 accounting and CPA firms around the country. And we range everywhere from uh, handling people who are just starting out like consultants all the way up to um, very, uh, very successful um, high-end people like uh, Buck Joffrey, for example. And, uh, and we serve several of Buck's uh, clients. And I do have my own CPA firm, but it's a very small firm. Most of the clients that Buck uh, refers to us, they are, we, we match them up uh, with a... With the right CPA firm. Okay, so that's kind of our goal in life is to match people up with the right CPA firm who's well trained. Um, what's uh, What's really interesting is when you know when I, I talk to people and people say, Well, this is really information, great information. Only it's really aggressive, or you can't do that here, something like that. Well, under the CARES Act, um, th- that's uh, our most recent tax law, and then under this new Heroes Act, so where the the Democrats are trying to outdo the Republicans, always interesting. Um, There are a lot of major tax changes, particularly for real estate, and I wanted to kind of walk through some of those. Um, But if I could, let me just start with a little bit of context. Many of you have seen this. Uh, This is Robert Kiyosaki's, uh, used with permission. (laughs) Robert Kiyosaki's Cash Flow Quadrant, and For those of you who have seen this before, you'll remember this from his book, Cash Flow Quadrant, which came out soon after Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and basically showing the four different ways people make money. And the reason this is essential for what we're talking about is we're going to be talking about the CARES Act and how the tax law has changed and who it's changed for, okay? so. Typically, if you think of an employee, an employee typically is gonna pay about 40% tax. Self-employed, like a doctor, for example. I know we have doctors uh, watching this and you know you're paying the highest tax of anybody. Um, And then you have big business owners like um, Warren Buffett. uh, And then you have professional investors like Donald Trump. Okay, and so they end up paying a lot less than these people, it's why Warren Buffett pays less tax than his secretary Uh, lower tax rate not less tax just lower tax rate and the reason is is because of what i explain in my book tax free wealth which if you've read tax free wealth if you just type in yes um i would really appreciate that just to see if there's a some of you on this call who've actually read this book um thank you very much uh good to see that some people have read it and good to see that there are potential customers out there so um, in this book, what I explain is, um, this is how to build massive wealth by permanently lowering your taxes. But what I explain is that the tax law is fundamentally a series of incentives. And the question, and, and that's how it works. Okay, and I'm not, a, I'm not here to debate policy. I'm happy to do that on, <laughs> in another situation. Um, but the policy of the United States and of most countries has been to reward people who do what the government wants them to do. So what we're looking at under the CARES Act was what does the government want us to do? And what we saw, the CARES Act is primarily an act for employees. It was really fundamentally about employees. And so what we saw under the CARES Act was that if you didn't have a job, then you were going to be... Rewarded, given some compensation uh, because the government shut you down. You didn't lose your job because you were a bad employee. You lost your job because the government shut down your restaurant or shut down your hospital or shut down, um, you know, your your, um, um, your your factory or whatever. And so the government's saying, look, we shut you down, all right? So we're going to compensate you for that. That's what that $600 a week extra uh, unemployment compensation was for. And then, for those, then for, to keep people working, to encourage businesses to continue um, uh, paying their people and not just laying them off, they created the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, which basically said that we're going to take and fund um, two months of your business uh, from an employment standpoint. So, again, if you're an, employ- uh, an employer, which is over here, Right? Then, and, and, and a little bit over here, right? So um, these people can get what these people have, they just have to behave differently, right? So this is all about, if you're going to have the, these lower tax, these tax benefits, you basically have to behave like, like these people. So the, the PPP was literally only for these people, right? The investors didn't get anything under the PPP because it was for employees, and professional investment is more about um, you know assets, hard assets than it is about employees so if you are here or here, then you got a tax benefit, but the benefit was intended and you really only got the i 'm sorry, you got a financial benefit you got this this uh, reward for keeping your employees hired and keeping them at their pay standard, right? At their standard payroll. So you, you get this reward, but you have to actually spend the money. Okay, so you can borrow the money and you borrow it for two years and you don't have to spend it. But if you do spend it on employees, do what the government tells you to do, it's forgiven. Now, the curious thing about the PPP Um, from a tax standpoint, is that in the law, in the CARES Act, the government says that PPP loan, when it's forgiven, is not taxable. Well, here's what we know, is that Congress giveth and the IRS taketh away. And that's exactly what happened here. So on the PPP, Congress said... no tax. The IRS came in, they said, wait a minute, if it's not taxable, then the payroll is not deductible. Well, if the payroll's not deductible, that has the same effect as making it taxable. So we have to wait to see if in this negotiation with the, Demo- with the, the Democrats in the House over the HEROES Act, whether we're going to get this corrected. I think we will, because I think there will be some kind of a bill. I don't think it's gonna be this massive $3 trillion uh, legislation that the, um, that, that the House wants um, and what they passed. I think it's gonna be something smaller, um, but we do need more money put into the economy. I think um, uh, every economist pretty much believes that, and so I do think that that is an opportunity. It'll probably be the last big legislation. It may be in June, it may not be frankly until September, October, you know, when the next wave of the virus hits. So we'll have to see on that. But for right now, according to the IRS, while it's non-taxable, the expenses are non-deductible. So that's the first thing to know. Now, what most people don't realize is that while the PPP addressed these people, a lot of the tax benefits address these people. Okay. So the professional investors did not get a lot out of the PPP loan, but they got a huge amount out of the tax benefits. And that's what I want to go to next. Um, and, then we'll, and then once I go through that, we'll take questions. Um, so there are four outside of the PPP taxable, non-taxable, there are four primary tax provisions of the CARES Act. And the first one is what we call qualified qualified improvement property. And another way to think about this, if you're a real estate investor or your business owner, what you're probably going to think of it as is TI's, tenant improvements, okay? because that's the biggest category. There are some other things like restaurants and films and so forth, but the big biggest category is tenant improvements. What happened was in the 2017 tax act, they made a mistake and they admitted that they made a mistake. Congress made a mistake. They were in a hurry to pass the bill and they left out qualified improvement property from the bonus depreciation rules, meaning that uh, while previously it had been subject to bonus depreciation, under the new law, it was no longer subject to bonus depreciation, and we had to depreciate it over 39 years, commercial property. So instead of 100% first-year depreciation, we got 2.5% first-year depreciation. Well, that was a big, diff, big, a big deal. And uh, so what they did was, and this is uh, fantastic, is they made this retroactive So you could have had qualified improvements, TI's in 2018, 19, or 20. And they are now, you can actually go back to 2018, amend 2018, excuse me, amend 2018 tax return, and take bonus depreciation. Okay, or you can pick it up in 2019, or you can pick it up in 2020. So it gives you some uh, flexibility frankly. Um, but this is something, if, if, if you're either a business owner and you rented a space, or you're an investor and you had a, a space rented so that you went and put in some TIs, make sure you go back and talk to your tax advisor about this and see how it was treated, because there may be some real opportunity there. The next issue um, that was interesting that came up was in the law, was the $500,000 rule, and what this rule said was that if you had business losses like real estate, okay, so real estate's business loss, so let's say that you had income, let's say you had income over here, you had big losses over here, okay, and it offset your income here, but there was some Some dividends, interest, and other things, it couldn't offset. Okay, now it could offset this this income. It could offset this income, but frankly, it couldn't offset this income. Okay, so it couldn't offset your dividends. It could offset here and here, but it could not offset there, except for five hundred thousand dollars. So there were people—not a lot—but there were some people who had big real estate losses, or there are people who this creates a big real estate loss. Where now, you know, under the $500,000 rule, they were limited on how much loss they could take. Not because they were passive, not because of anything else, just because we had a $500,000 rule. That was eliminated under the CARES Act. So that $500,000 rule goes away for 2018, 19, and 20. All right, so the third one. The third one is huge. The third one is the net operating loss carryback. Under the 2017 Act, you can only carry losses forward. So if you had more losses than you had income, not even counting this, you had more losses than you had income, you could only carry those losses forward. Now this one, it's important you act right now. Don't wait till tomorrow to call your tax advisor. And here's why. This carryback is five years. So you could, for example, have a 2018 net operating loss that you can carry back to 2013. The reason this is critical that you act now is because the Democrats in Congress want to reduce this already. They say it's too generous. It's too generous, so we're going to reduce the NOL. And you know they're negotiating. Is it 2018, 19, 20? They're saying, you know what, you shouldn't be able to carry this back. We're going to we're going to limit the net operating loss carryback. Well, why was this net operating loss carryback important? Well, the whole point, <laughs> the whole challenge with the shutdown of the economy is that it pulled so much money out of the economy, right? It pulled so much money out of the economy, and so economists are saying, look, we need to put money in the economy. You hear the Fed chairman, Powell, saying, we need to put money in the economy. We need to do this right now, because otherwise we're in risk of a depression. Remember that money is all a function, and the economy is all a function of confidence. And if we take money out of the economy, which we do when we shut businesses down, right, that money's not moving, so we're taking money out of the economy. We need to put money back into the economy. Well, that was the whole idea between the, behind the net operating last carry back, the $500,000 rule, as well as, the, uh, as well as one of the reasons for qualified improvement property is, okay, let's get cash in, in your pocket, and we all know the fastest way to get cash in your pocket is reduce your taxes. And wouldn't it be great if we just could get a refund from prior years? So we paid this money in prior years, How do we get money back into the pockets? And who are we trying to get money back in the pockets of? These people, okay? Because these people got the PPP loan and the EIDL loan. These people now, okay, how how do they function? Well, they're gonna get tax benefits. And that's how we're gonna do it. See, the tax law is a very efficient way to put money into people's pockets. And so if you had losses and you're going, wait a minute, my business is struggling or my real estate is struggling because my tenants aren't paying their rent, right? And I I I don't get to, you know, I get get push off maybe my my mortgage for a couple of months, but I'm still struggling here because I have to now bring in all of this all these this extra these extra contractors to spray everything down and make sure everything's taken care of and make sure that we have um, you know, a a, a low-risk environment in our in our um multifamily housing or commercial property, well, we need to provide, the, Congress goes, we need to provide some benefit here and we need them to have some cash so that they can operate, so that they can withstand um, these several months, which could turn into several years, of, of, of downturn in the economy, which, by the way, it's not their fault necessarily, okay? It's just because we shut things down. As, as a government to protect the health of our, our nation. So that's number three. Number four is actually one that's not being talked about and I'm surprised because it's the one that affects the most people. The fourth tax benefit is um, qualified retirement plans, okay, commonly known as the 401k or IRA, or pension plan, profit-sharing plan, self-employed pension plan. These are all qualified plans, okay? And what the government said in the CARES Act is that if you're having financial difficulty because of the government shutdown, the, the shutdown of the economy, the virus, whatever it is, okay? Which is basically everybody, right, except for Amazon. Right, so basically, everybody else, then you can withdraw a hundred thousand dollars from one of these plans, and you have three years to pay it back. And if you pay it back within the three years, it's non taxable. If you don't pay it back within the three years, then you get a different benefit. It's spread over three years. So if you borrow $90,000, $30,000 is taxed in 2020, $30,000 is taxed in 2021, and $30,000 is taxed in 2022. Well, why is this so important on this particular webinar? Well, the reason is because One of the worst things we can do is invest in leveraged real estate through a qualified plan. Why is that? Well, first of all, in many cases, if you're doing your own property, you're probably losing some of the leverage that you get. But in any property, you're losing the tax benefit. You're losing the tax benefit of the real estate. See, The way I look at it, when I was, I remember in grade school, I remember learning this equation. Negative 1 times negative 1 equals positive 1. From a tax standpoint, what happens is we have real estate, which is a tax shelter. So it's a negative from a tax standpoint we put it into a qualified plan, which is also a tax shelter. And what we end up with is tax. So if we put real estate into a qualified plan, we are actually creating tax liability. So it's a bad idea to do that. See, because what happens is you've got a non-taxable real estate because of depreciation, because of 1031 exchanges, because of uh, opportunity zones, you you should never be paying tax. You put it into a qualified plan. Now when you pull it out, it's taxable. So all those earnings are taxable. So you're going backwards. So this makes no sense to do this in most cases. This allows you to pull it out with no penalty. So no penalty... You could leave it out for three years and pay it back, or you can leave it out permanently and just pay tax on it over three years, but still no. No penalty. All right, now one last thing. The other one of the big differences besides tax rates here between this side and this side is this side is very focused on these three three words, do it yourself. And these people over here have a team. So when I talk about these tax benefits, okay, please don't do it by yourself. Okay. You'll completely mess it up. Don't do it by yourself. Don't go to your, your typical tax advisor who's never even read the law, okay, most tax advisors haven't read the law, they haven't gotten training on the law, they don't know how to analyze the law, make sure you find somebody, okay, and hopefully it's your current CPA, if not, find a CPA who actually can analyze this and walk you through it so that you get these tax benefits, okay, because they're not simple, And, of course, some of them, like the net operating loss, we need to do this right now. All right, Buck, I think that's a good uh, stopping point for now and and summary of where we are. So, do we have uh, any questions?
0: Yeah, uh, if people would want to start typing in uh, questions, I'm keeping my video off uh, just to give you maximum bandwidth there. Um, But... um, Let me, uh, why don't you go ahead and start writing questions in the Q&A section. And then, Tom, in the meantime, while people are writing, let me ask you a couple things myself. Yeah. Uh, One is, um, you know, it's always nice to kind of get some real world examples of, of, you know, some of these, how some of these rules that you've talked about uh, affect people like us. Uh, Maybe we're, you know, there's, maybe there's people, most of us are, you know, maybe we've got another high-paying job, and then we have investments. Some of them are real estate, et cetera. So, when you look at something like the, you know, five hundred thousand uh, dollar loss rule, um, like, can you give us an example of how maybe that's affected a client? I mean, for example, one idea that I had was, I think what you're talking about is. So, we have a number of people in our group where we have a, you know, high-paid professional. Spouse, and then we have a real estate professional um, spouse, and together they're able to take advantage of that real estate professional's uh, um, you know status uh, to 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 basically write off uh, some of those losses against active income. Um, it, they, previously, it was limited by the $500,000 loss rule on how much could be taken and now it's not. Is that one example?
1: Um, and- it, it's not actually. That's, thank you for bringing that up though yeah. because that would be a logical thing to think, right? Right. Um, but no, employment income is considered business income for this purpose. So where this really comes into account is you have a lot of people who they might be new to real estate but they still have a lot of money in the stock market. So they're still getting a lot of interest, and they're getting a lot of dividends. And they might also have some retirement income, okay? So we might also have retirement income. But any of these incomes, these are not business income. Okay, so these don't get to be offset beyond 500000 So you're right. I mean, you're thinking, wait a minute, who has that? But there are, we have a client, I have a client that absolutely ran into this because high net worth. He makes, a, uh, He, he what, what he did was he um, was starting a new aspect of his business and ended up putting a lot of money into a property, a commercial property. And so he had huge losses, so he was limited by this $500,000 rule and then he had to carry the rest of it forward anyway. Okay, but here's the thing. He'd also made tenant improvements. So this is a real life example. Somebody this really happened to, we, we, just, uh, we basically just filed the carryback claim and it's a huge number because what happened was he had qualified improvement property of about four hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so this is these are leasehold improvements that he wasn't able to write off um, under bonus depreciation. Okay, wasn't able to write them off otherwise um, because they were they were considered qualified improvement property, and so that four hundred thousand, and then he was limited. Okay, he had a five hundred thousand dollar limit, so that got freed up, and then on top of that, (laughs) he had a net operating loss, anyway, of a million two. Okay, so here's what we're able to do. We're able to take the total of these, which is 2.1 million dollars, And we're able to carry it back to 2013. Well, I had a big year in 2013, and we had high tax rates and higher tax rates in 2013. So basically, he got this at, let's say, a 40% rate. So what he's getting back is over $800,000. Uh, I think at 800 and. right? So, he's getting $840,000 back into his pocket because of the CARES Act.
0: Got it. And maybe similarly, um, just more, maybe something in terms of the carryback losses. Do you have maybe another example for us on that one that might relate to some of our, um, you know, more of our typical listeners?
1: Yeah. So, let's say that... um, Let's say you bought a property in uh, 2019. So in 2019, you buy um, property. And you do, as you and I talk about all the time, what's called a cost- Segregation and a cost segregation simply breaks down the property between four components land, building, land improvements. Okay, and land improvements, by the way, there's a lot more than you think there are. It includes landscaping, it includes covered parking, it includes uh, fencing, it includes outdoor lighting. So, all sorts of things go in here. And contents. And the contents includes a lot more than you think. It includes some wiring, it includes some plumbing. Um, and, and this is why you have to have a professional do this. You have to have an engineer. Yeah. Actually, the IRS requires an engineer, you having an engineer to do this. But basically, on land, of course, you get 0% depreciation. On building, it's somewhere between 2.5% the 3.6%, right? But under the 2017 Act, you get 100% on these two land improvements and contents because they're subject to bonus depreciation. That's bonus. So this is 100% bonus. Okay. So let's say let's take a really let's take a small property. Okay, let's say you buy a million-dollar property, right? And let's say that land and building together are 70% of the value. Well, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, that means that, the improvements and the contents are 30%. Let's say you put 20% down on that building. So you put in, your down payment was $200,000. But the bank doesn't get a write-off. You get the write-off because you owe the money. So you put a down payment of 200,000, but you get a deduction of 30% of the million, 300,000. This is literally the only place that you can get a deduction for more money than you spent. You can get a deduction for more money than you spend. The only place in the US tax code that allows this. So you're getting a deduction for a full 300,000 even though you only put in 200,000 and you're expecting the property to go up in value. So this is one of those things and, and at 30 at $300,000 let's say that you're in a 40% tax bracket. So that's 120,000. So that's like you put in 80,000 because you're getting 120 back. So you put in 80 and, and, the, and the government puts in 120. That's a pretty good deal, okay? Or you could say, well, look, I got this property for $80,000. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the challenges, Buck, that you and I run into all the time is people say, yes, but I'm a passive investor. I'm a full-time physician, I'm a full-time doctor, lawyer, uh, accountant, whatever, uh, like myself, okay? I'm not a real estate professional. My wife's also full-time in her business, so she's not a real estate professional. So how do we get these losses? And the reality is, it's just not that hard because, yes, this is a passive loss, but being a passive loss doesn't mean it's non-deductible. It just means that it's only deductible against passive income. So now you have to make create or convert active income, like your business, into passive income. And that's a function of getting with your tax advisor, we don't really have time to go through that here, but getting with, through with your tax advisor and say, look, how do I turn my, here's the question to ask The question is never, is it deductible? The question is how do I make it deductible? So how do I make this $300,000 currently deductible? when I'm not a real estate professional? That's the question I would have you ask your tax advisor. And if they go, huh, you can't do that, then maybe that would be when you'd want to get a new tax advisor.
0: Got it. Oh, so, yeah. so
1: if this created a loss, by the way, if that created a loss for you, let's say you only had $100,000 of income that year, you can carry back now that $200,000 against, in this case if this 2019 against 2014 taxes. So. Um, you're going to get to use it no matter what now. If if that loss was incurred in 2018, 19, or 20, but you've got to do it now before they change it, that because they could change that loss. So, please take care of this right now.
0: Thanks. Um, let me get to some of these questions now. Um, Robert's asking uh, if you had a business that failed already, maybe closed three years ago, can you go back um, and uh, Use carry back losses. Uh, do the carry loss uh, laws apply in that case?
1: Yeah. So um, the, 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 the carry back, remember, it all changed in 2017. So let's say you, you, you lost your business in 2018, you had this big loss in 2018, you can carry that back to 2013. So you have a five year carry back of that loss. So that's a big deal um, because you, easily, you know, it might have been very successful five years earlier. But, you know, then it failed, that happens. And so, now you're carrying back that loss. So, yeah, absolutely, carry back that loss. That's that's what this is all about, is, um carrying back the loss so you can get the money back that you paid in back in 2013, 14, 15, and 16.
0: Again, Robert, I mean, I think you got to ask your CPA and if they look at you confused, then it's probably time to call wealthability at that point.
1: There um, you go. <laughs>
0: Uh, Nick, Nicholas, um, well, let's see. Is it, He's saying, are you ad- advising, taking advantage now of IRA money to invest in real estate today? I don't think Tom's advising anything. He's telling you kind of what your, you know, what your potential options are, right, Tom?
1: Well, right. So, I was, I did a class last week with um, my friend Garrett Sutton, who's a, an asset protection attorney. And, um, I was telling everybody, you know, my job is not to tell you what to do at all. I'm not gonna tell you to go take this deduction or make this investment or everything. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you a choice. That's my job. My job is to give you a choice. And you can't, you you don't have a choice if you don't have the education. So when I look at this, now, if if you asked me, if you came to me and you said, look, I have a bunch of money in my qualified retirement plan. I'd really like to invest in real estate. Then I would say, look, let's look at, is there a way we can get you to take advantage of current year losses from real estate? We need to make sure we can do that 98% of the time we can, but we have to walk through that, okay? Um, If you're gonna change your tax, you have to change your facts. That's what I'm always saying. And so I'm gonna tell you what facts you need to change. But if you have that money stuck in there and you go, okay, my choice is I can pull this out and pay tax over three years or I can invest within my qualified plan. So I'm not telling you to invest or not invest in real estate. I'm telling you that if you are going to invest in real estate, why would you do it inside a mechanism that you're going to end up paying tax on the income and the gain from that real estate? I still don't understand why you would do that when you have a choice now. Right? Again, now you have a choice. Before you you know you're thinking, "Oh, I'm going to have a 10% penalty and and tax on top of that. But now you have a choice because you get spread it over three years. And there's no penalty. Now you have a choice. So that's my job. I actually had somebody in our conference saying, well, wait a minute. It's, it's important to pay taxes. I said, you can pay ta- whatever tax you want. In fact, you can pay extra tax. Warren Buffett, you know, he complains about rich people not paying tax. I'm going, Warren, you can, you can send a check to the, to the Treasury anytime you want. And they will take it. It is a legitimate charity, okay? It's a qualified charity. The federal government is a qualified charity. So you can pay any tax you can donate to the federal government if you choose to do so. You have a choice. My job is to make sure you have a choice.
0: Um, Similarly, Chris is saying I assume there are no new benefits to Roth Roth IRA 401k since taxes were already paid. Well, I guess there, the benefit there would be, is if you took it out, then you could
1: invest. You wouldn't in have something. a penalty, right? Yeah. So, so you know, people ask me all that that all the time. Buck is, what would, would I invest through a into real estate through a Roth? And I still have this issue.
0: Well, if that's the only money you got, then you got to look at you know what the best in, you know best yields and best returns are, right?
1: Well, yeah, but. Well, you're not creating a tax liability. You're not getting the tax shelter. Right. Okay. So no, you, you eliminate this piece of it, the tax piece, but you're not getting the benefit that you would get from, say, you'd never get this benefit. You'd lose this benefit right here okay, if you do it in a Roth. Um, and granted, it, it is a timing issue, but it's a forever timing issue because I can keep investing in real estate my whole life. And when I die, that deferred tax goes away. It's, a, it's completely eliminated. So it, it's um, one of the things we call, we say, borrow, buy, borrow, die, right? buy your real estate, borrow against it. It's not taxable when you borrow against it. When you die, the tax goes away. So, I'm just going, you know, if you have a choice, why not do that? And now, you, and you have a choice. So, no penalties, nothing like that. So, it's, it's just an opportunity that we haven't had before and it's something to consider.
0: Another thing, Chris, I would just say if, you know, if you took, if you borrowed $100,000, out of a Roth and you're right, you already paid taxes on it. But if you invested in something and then you got bonus depreciation on that for the current tax year, you Uh might, you know, as you know, in Sedona Ranch, I think you were in that we got 106% uh, depreciation for, for passive investors in that. So you would, so effectively, yeah, you would be getting the tax benefit by simply pulling it out. Right. Uh, um, By the way, Tom, one quick question on the buy, borrow, die thing. Um, you know, we have a lot of limited partners. What about limited partners? Do they get uh, limited? I part- got to
1: tell you, this is a great. Oh my own! Thanks for asking that, Buck. <laughs> so, you know, we when we think of buy, borrow, die, we're, we're typically I draw it like this, right? People start out buying little greenhouses, and then they go buy. You know, a couple of, you know, bigger apartment buildings, right? You know, that's, they buy more doors, right? That's typically what they do. And eventually, they end up buying a big box, like a Walmart or Walgreens. But let's say that what you do is, let's say, you don't do this, and this is a syndication, okay? Now, syndications typically don't do 1031 exchanges, so you can't do this tax-free. However, check out these numbers. Let's say, take that million-dollar piece of real estate, Right And let's say you took300,000 dollars depreciation. So now, your basis this is your tax basis 700,000 dollars. And let's say this appreciates and it's now and five years down the road, it's now worth a um, million five. Five years down the road, okay, and you sell it. So you sell it. <clears throat> you have it, let's say that you then pay down the loan. So you have an eight hundred thousand dollar loan on this, right? So you have a a, a down payment of two hundred, and and a, a loan of eight hundred, right? You sell it for a million five, right? At a million five, you pay off your eight hundred thousand dollar loan. and you have 700,000, and then you go buy another project and you pay 2.8 million. And I use that just so it's 75% loan to value. On the bigger projects, you're not gonna get quite as much money, right? So this is four times this, right, four times. Typical 75% loan to value on a commercial property. Well now, here's what's gonna happen. You have $800,000 of gain taxed at a maximum rate of 25%. Well, let's say that this is, let's say a quarter of this, or 700000 of bonus depreciation at 40%. Okay, so seven hundred thousand dollars, and you're going to want to watch this video. This video over again, obviously, but <clears throat> let's just do those numbers real quick. 25 percent is two hundred thousand dollars tax. Okay but you're getting a deduction cuz you're still making money in your regular you know in your regular business right you get a deduction of 700,000 and you're getting that up 40% right so that's 280,000 so you're still net better off 80k into your right into your pocket here, you've gotten an an extra $80,000 of tax tax savings that that you would have had to pay to the government. Now it's going into your pocket. So I know that the numbers are fast and I I went through that quickly, but you don't have to do a 1031 exchange right now because of bonus depreciation. That's my point.
0: Yeah, I mean and, we, we've been calling that the hamster wheel too. Like you take the profits, uh, you take the profits from one um, and you know you've got capital gains on that. Yeah but if you invest that into something else and all of a sudden you're getting over 100% depreciation on that as well, It's you've got some mitigation on the capital gain there. Oh
1: no, you don't just have mitigation, you actually end up in a better place. Right. You end up better off. Let me if I can, Buck, real quick. Um, Just put this all into context for people, um, especially those of you who have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which everybody should read. So here's your basic financial statement. Income. Expense. Asset. Liability. So We all know that if we bring money in and we spend it, we pay tax. And we also know that if we bring money in and put it back into the business, we get a deduction for it and we pay no tax. Okay, that's been the rule for ages. It's the rule in every country, by the way. Here's what changed in 2017 but now has been compounded in 2020 with the CARES Act. If you bring money in and you buy an asset, <clears throat> now there's no tax. So even if you sell the asset by buy another asset, there's no tax. So what, what's really happened with the tax law in the U.S. The tax in the US is now a tax on consumption only. So as long as you reinvest the money, you're not taxed. The minute you spend it, it's taxed. Spend it outside of your business or investing, it's taxed. As long as you keep it within your investing, so the more, the more assets you build, the less tax you pay. The more assets you build, the less tax you pay.
0: And that's sort of the moral of the story. Um, I got one other question um, regarding oil and gas. Uh, so uh, we, there, he says, are there pros and cons when deciding to invest actively versus passively in an oil and gas? Uh, oh my,
1: oh my heavens! Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you would never invest passively.
0: Yeah, I would. In oil
1: and gas ever. Like here's
0: the risk here's and here's take
1: the. the, the rule. So here's the rule with oil. Okay. So you put in $100,000, and let's say you do it towards the end of the year, okay? There are two tax benefits from oil if you're not a limited partner. You have to be a general partner if you're not a limited partner. The first is intangible drilling costs. Even though they're not spending the money until the next year, you get to deduct $80,000 this year. The other thing though is, is that when they spend the money the next year on equipment, you get $20,000 of bonus depreciation on the equipment. So within two years, you've deducted the entire thing. If this is, if you use a limited partnership, You have passive loss rules and you have to then go back to what you would have to do in a real estate investor. But oil and gas has the the singular advantage that if you put that $100,000 in, you can be completely passive as long as you are a general partner. You can be passive and still take it currently, still take those deductions currently. So please, please, please don't invest as a limited partner. Just make sure that they have plenty of insurance.
0: most of these oil and gas funds that we're talking about are, they're, you know, they're planned for this kind of stuff, so. um,
1: They are, but if, let's say, for example, you invest through your limited liability company, you've just eliminated, you, you just changed your tax benefit. So, don't invest through a limited liability company.
0: So you, the one it's, time you, you
1: wouldn't it's
0: do that. So you, if you invest through your LLC, but it's a pass-through entity, you lose
1: you lose the benefit because your li- liability is limited. This benefit is dependent on your liability.
0: No kidding. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. I think that's all we have for questions, and we're coming up on the hour. So um, first of all, Tom, I want to thank you for uh, coming on here, and um, we're going to get course. the Uh, for, for answering these questions on the CARES Act. I want to remind everybody, this is, um, this is really critical stuff. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I know a number of people on this uh, recording uh, and those who are going to get it uh, as a replay um, make a lot of money. And, um, you know, there's always this question of, okay, well, do I need a, you know, do I need a good CPA? Well, maybe it costs a little bit more money and stuff like that. I can tell you from personal experience that, you know, if you talk about investments and return on investments, my, you know, my involvement with, you know, Tom and his organization over the years has probably been one of my highest <laughs> return on investments. And so, um, so I do highly encourage you at least to check out what they're doing over there at WealthAbility. And uh, Tom, it's WealthAbility.com, right? I don't really go. It to- is.
1: It's, it's very simple. I'll, uh, I'll write it up here real quickly yeah. so everybody sees it.
0: And, and and it's and as Tom mentioned, one of the things that we kind of work through over the last couple of years is that okay, I know some of you are have more complicated business, uh, and some people have less complicated things, but are starting to build, you know, vis a vis some of the things that we're doing in Investor Club, at Wealth Formula, and that kind of thing. And so there's different, you know, there's different types of accountants. Um, uh, one thing that I think is helpful is if you do contact uh, WealthAbility, let them know that you are, you know, a Wealth Formula listener because they do, we do tend to prefer, uh, you know, we, we, not that there's any really bad firms there, but there's some firms. Well, we, that-
1: put, we, we put you to the front of the line. Let's put it that way. We, <laughs> yeah. We right. do. I mean, right. we do. We, we do put you to the front of the line. Um, uh, you know, Buck has uh, been very good to us over the years and uh, in referring Uh, really good clients to us. I mean, there are good and bad clients. So uh, we very much appreciate that, you know, and and here's what makes a really good client is somebody that wants the education, because this is a partnership, right? This is a team that that we're working with you. This isn't something where if you want to go to a CPA and say, you take care of it, we are not the right place. I'm being, I want to be really clear. We are not the right place for that. And that's why we like Bucks people, because everybody he sends us, they want the education. And, you know, it's like, I can't reduce your taxes, but I can tell you how to reduce your taxes. And that's my job. My job is to give you a choice. You can do this and pay this amount of tax, or do this and pay this amount of tax. You choose. But I'm going to give you the choice, and I'm going to tell you how to do it but still it's something that you have to do. So, this is a, this is a team effort and uh, that's why we appreciate everybody um, that's on this call because you're here for financial education in the first place. So, we know you're not somebody who's just going to say, well, I don't want to know anything.
0: Yeah. And, and the other thing, um, you know, we talk about some of these principles all the time on the on Wealth Formula podcast. Make sure you uh, read Tom's book. I mean, it's, it, if there was required reading for our podcast, Tom's book would probably be on the top. You know, tax free wealth because we it's all about you know tax efficiency. We spend so much time looking at our top line, right? Like how much money are we making, but how much do we keep is what really counts. And that's uh, you know, that's why business people think all the time in terms of revenue and expenses. For individual expenses, is almost always the biggest expense is always taxes. And the idea that you know, there's very little that you can do, well, it's just not true. It's just not true. And I've and I've had accountants when I started out telling me that and it's just not true. And, and so I can tell you from personal experience, experience for a lot of people, check them out, read the book and go to wealthability.com. Tom, thanks again for your time today.
1: Hey, thank you. And we're ha- seriously, we're happy to help any way we can. Just so you know, when you come to us, we will match you up, okay? So uh, like I said, we won't match you by location. I want to be very clear on that. We're not going to match you by location. We're going to match you by what your situation is, what your needs are, and who's the best member for us to put you with. And then what they're going to do is they're going to walk through our system for reducing taxes. So uh, we actually have um, members that say that they'll have people come to a, to them, and, and they'll go, "Oh, this is great." You know, you know, you know, Tom. But the training's one thing. But what's more important than the training is the system. So there's a system that we, we have a proprietary system for reducing taxes. And it's when you come to us, what we do is we put our members through. In fact, I was just reviewing somebody this morning. You don't get to join our uh, as a member and then automatically you get to take on clients. Don't work that way. We have to know that you understand how the system works. And you have to follow the system. Because if you don't follow the system, even if you have somebody who's trained, you won't get the results. It's like you can have um, you know, the, 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 the best flour in the world and the best eggs in the world and the best vanilla in the world, but if you don't know how to put them together and bake the cake because you don't have the recipe, it's not gonna turn out very well. So that's, it's critical that you follow the recipe. Um, work with us on that, if you will, um, because we, we actually do have a process that we wanna take you to, it, everybody's different. And at the same time, the system works for every single person. We have found over the years that if we go through that system, we're gonna reduce an entrepreneur's taxes by 10 to 40% within three months. So it's some pretty serious money we're talking about, 10 to 40% of your tax liability, um, but only if you walk through the system. So that's why you know we're very careful about who we take on as a client, and we're very careful about who we assign you to, and how they work with you. So I just want to be clear on that too. At the process.
0: Thanks again, Tom. And thanks for everybody for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And again, if you listen to it and you got a little confused, I would suggest going to wealthformula.com and downloading the actual video as well, because Tom's got his marker out there. And he's writing on that, you know, that tear sheet and uh, he likes to do that and it helps him kind of teach at his, uh, at his best that way. Also, if you are interested uh, in, you know, hiring somebody from WealthAbility, you know, go to WealthAbility.com. You know, I've been a client of Tom or of, of his affiliate offices for years now. And, um, you know, right now I am, you know, Tom's my CPA, but it is a tremendous investment. I would not look at it as an expense and I highly recommend it. And remember, if you do contact wealth ability, make sure you let them know that you're a wealth formula listener, because as Tom said, uh, we do get a little bit of special treatment. Uh, we do send a lot of people over there. Uh, And I have some directives in place about certain CPAs that I like um, that certainly helps match up people who are of like mind to to the appropriate CPA. With that being said, that's it for this bonus episode of Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off.
1: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula
0: Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.